My name is Craig Strock, and uh, my family and I, my wife, Sean, my boys, Braden and Devin, um, have been coming to Waters for about four and a half years and have been privileged to serve at all three campuses. We're currently making our home at the, uh, the Woonsocket campus. And uh, I've been a small group leader and a coach. I've spent most of my time, uh, however, on the worship team playing guitar and occasionally singing and at times a bit overcommitted to that role. So we'll, more on that in a moment. We'll, we'll come back to that in a little bit. But more and more what I'm realizing is that I'm here to serve in whatever capacity that he needs me to serve in. Amen? Hence the shirt, if you're wondering why I'm wearing this T-shirt. This is a reminder. This is more for me <laughs> than, than for you. But uh, in any case, I'm honored and humbled to be here today. And uh, I got to tell you this, though. I'm not up here by happenstance or because I was assigned a topic to present, but because of his work in my life. All right? And I don't mean Pastor Tim him. I mean, capital H, his work in my life. And I'd like to share with you the dramatic way that, that God's spoken into my life over the past uh, several months. And I want to share it against the backdrop of some, some Scripture that was randomly assigned to me, but not by accident. Anybody know what I mean? Randomly assigned, but not by accident? There were no accidents with God, right? And uh, all that in the hope that you would be both challenged and encouraged. All right, that's my, that's my goal today. I, and I believe there are three clear learnings, three clear learnings that we can take from all of this that have tremendous significance in all of our lives. And what I want to talk to you about today is keeping your eyes on the prize. Keeping your eyes on the prize. And if life is a race, and it's often compared to that, right? It's a journey. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a rat race. We're good at rat racing up here, right, in New England? Do it all the time. We'll be getting back to it tomorrow. But if life is a race, here's the question. What's your prize? What's your prize? I want you to think about that. What is your prize? Or a better question may be, what's distracting you from your prize? And I want to be clear about this, too. I'm talking to the, the behind-closed-doors you. I'm not talking to the, the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat version of you that you want everybody else to see right before you open your car door in the parking lot. I'm talking to the you that argued all the way here with your husband, your wife, your kids, your parents, right? Just, just like I had a, an argument, by the way, that was my fault. <laughs> earlier this week with my wife about putting a bed together, all right? It's important that we be honest with ourselves, especially when eternity is at stake. Am I right? All right. So, so with that being said, uh, you may be coming here for the first time, second time, maybe third time. You may have been dragged here by somebody that you know, kicking and screaming, all right? But you're here. You may be here just because you were trying to get that friend off your back who's been bugging you over and over and over. You've got to come with me. You've got to come with me to Waters. Check it out. Uh, or you may be here because you were just, you kind of felt a little bit of a tug. You couldn't quite explain it, but there was something that just 
that kind of grabbed you. And in any of those cases, I just I want to say that, and I say this as sincerely as I possibly can, we are so happy and so privileged to have you here. Really, really mean that. This is, this is why we do what we do here. It's because of you. And, and I believe that your life, and this is, I don't say this lightly, I believe your life can change today. All right? But here's your question. If you're running away from God, and you're running away from church, and you're running away from maybe church people, and maybe you've been doing that all your life, what are you running towards? If you're running away from all those things, what are you running towards? What is it that you find fulfillment in? What's your prize? You know, we talk a lot here uh, at Waters about cultural idols because we're going to, we're humans, we're going to worship something. Could be money, could be fame, could be sex. Can I say that, 9.30 in the morning? We've, we've heard a little bit about that, right, maybe over the last couple few weeks. But it could be that. It could be drugs or alcohol. You know, either seeking pleasure, either that, or maybe running away from, from the pain in our lives. But that may be what you find fulfillment in. I guess, I guess the simple question, bottom line here is, is, is your prize the self-fulfillment and self-gratification that you find in these things? I, I want you to think about those things, seriously, and be honest with yourself. Or you may be, believe in God or a God, but you may be also attending the most well-attended church in the country, and I would say especially up here in the Northeast. Anybody know what that is? The church of I'm a good person? And the, and the question for you is compared to what? Right, what's your standard? Because if you have a standard, that means you created the standard. And that means you created your God. Does that make sense? So honestly, once again, are, are you doing what you do just to enjoy life? You're just not as bad as the next guy. I might have hit some people right between the eyes right now. But our, the point is, our human nature tends to want us want to make ourselves our own gods, right? And that's the same human tendency that led mankind to break our relationship with our Creator. And the Bible is simply about that broken relationship that we caused, that broken relationship and, and God's love for us, so much so that He sought to do whatever needed to be done to restore that relationship. And, and what that, the only thing that could be done is by taking his son, his perfect son, sending him into the world to live a perfect life and become the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice that would cover our sins once and for all. And that he only looks in return for that, he only looks for our faith in his completed work. That's our only contribution. That is the incredible gift of God that we have. But we still revert back to our inclinations, right? And we're reminded in, in Romans chapter 3 and verses 10 and verses 23, none is righteous, no, not one. So no matter what we do, we cannot earn 
the salvation. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You may be part of a, another group, I'm sure well represented here today, and, and uh, you believe in God, you believe in the Bible, you believe in everything that I've been talking about so far. You may understand God's Word and see the prize ahead with the hope that you have in Christ. But I guess the question for you is, where are your eyes focused? Are they focused ahead or are they focused somewhere else? Because we know that even as Christians, anything that we make bigger than Him, what? can be a distraction from Him and His purposes for us. Anybody ever had a car that was out of alignment? What happens, right? Pulls left, pulls right, you're losing gas mileage, you're slowing down, it just feels like you're dragging, and you've got to pay attention all the time, or otherwise you're going to end up off the side of the road, right, or into oncoming traffic. And all you need to do there is you need to take it to a technician, you get it fixed, and all of a sudden, problem solved, right? And sometimes it can be so dramatic that it feels like you're driving a brand new car. And all of a sudden, you don't need to pay attention anymore to the things that are pulling the car right and pulling left. You can just focus on the driving and the destination. And it's much the same way in life, isn't it? Much the same way in life. And uh, I'd like to, uh, to challenge you to a quick moment, this is our participation moment, uh, to an eye alignment quiz. So we're going to put up on the screen a, a few questions for you guys to answer, just yes or no. We're, gonna, we're actually going to pass out uh, some, some papers for you guys to fill out, and we'll, we'll grade those and get those back, back to you. And, uh, and you'll, okay, good, good. You're paying attention. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just answer yes or no to yourself. So question number one, do you derive a substantial measure of self-worth based on your identity, status, title, job, income, or even your chosen area of service, even in the church? Yes or no? Number two, do you find yourself often seeking or even expecting recognition, approval, or praise for these things? Yes or no? And number three, do you find it difficult or even scary to imagine all of a sudden these things aren't there anymore? And you're just going to be reeling. Oh, what do I do now? What do I do now? Yes or no? If you said yes to any of these three questions, you may have an eye alignment issue. And so pay attention. And if life is, is a race, as we've been talking about, um, I had a heartbreak hill moment over the last six months, but isn't it amazing what God can do in those times, what He can reveal to you, right? I see some heads nodding. It's amazing what He can do. So help me finish this phrase, God will only give you as much as you… Wrong. Wrong. You're right about the phrase, by the way. <laughs> But biblically speaking, wrong. The reality is God will give you more than you can handle, but He will never give you more than you can handle with Him. You see the difference? 
God will give you more than you can handle in life, but He will never give you more than you can handle with Him. And uh, boy, oh boy, did I experience this. You know, I, I mentioned a few minutes ago about my, my time on the worship team, and uh, I'll tell you what, it doesn't really matter what, what ministry um, or in what way you're, you're serving in the church even could, really could be anything. But uh, over time, it's, it's easy to sort of drift into that kind of works mindset, religiosity, you know, kind of uh, uh, I'm going to do better or I'm going to do more of this and therefore I'm going to please God more. And it's very insidious. It's very, it just creeps into your, your thought process, doesn't it? And almost like you're going to earn, you're going to earn, I'm going to help God out with this and I'm going to earn. And that can even evolve into a, a pride or a vanity. And again, you know, being, being on the worship team, being up on stage may accelerate that a little bit just because, hey, you know, and the recognition and, and, you know, occasional compliment. And I'm not the most talented guy in the world by a long shot, but, but you get a little bit of that and it starts to creep into your head, right? And I suffered from this. And, and then back six months ago, the week leading up to Christmas, God showed up. Bam! I got a cancer diagnosis. Um, and it was thyroid cancer, highly curable, but you know what? Cancer's cancer. And the things that you imagine, and, and I know pretty much everybody out here can, can relate. You've either experienced firsthand or you've known somebody in your life, right? It's a, it's a scary, scary thing. So later that week, uh, two days before Christmas, and you might remember the weather, how frigid it was, right? I slipped in the ice in my driveway, broke my arm. And I broke it, both bones in this arm badly enough to require surgery. And I, I can't really ex express in words the, the level of, of pain or what came from that, but I can share a, a couple of pictures just so you can sort of envision um, a little bit on the left-hand side. I mean, you see the see some of the bruising and everything else, and uh, I, I can tell you it was far worse under the, uh, the wrap there. And then on the right, you see the, some of the hardware that I'm still and will be for the rest of my life carrying around with me as, as a reminder um, of all this. But I got to tell you, I've broken a lot of bones, and there was no pain, no level of discomfort or, or sleeplessness that I've ever experienced than what I experienced with this. It was jarring. It was absolutely jarring. And then on top of the, you know, the cancer diagnosis, which is weighing on your mind and all those worst-case scenarios going through your head of, you know, what if it spread and what if, what if they don't get to it, you know, in time before the surgery and it, and it evolves into something else and it's that and the other thing. And then uh, just pain, sleeplessness, um, and that led to anxiety. And I've never experienced this, and I, I know there's probably a lot of people out here who have, but, but just sitting there on the couch watching a movie, and no sad thing going on in the movie, but all of a sudden just bursting into tears, sobbing uncontrollably. <laughs> it's like, where did that come from? But that's, that was from, from the anxiety that I experienced from this. God was really stretching. He was showing me the, the limits of, of myself at that time. And then I had 
surgery in February. I had a thyroidectomy and had the thyroid taken out, and I lost my voice. I wasn't expecting to. There was, I knew there was a very minute risk of that, but I lost my voice for, for eight weeks. I could barely a whisper I had, and, and obviously no guarantee that it was ever going to come back. So, so just like that, one-two punch, God took away from me the two things that I really felt like I had to offer Him, like I had to offer in terms of ministry. Took away my guitar playing, wasn't doing that, and He took away my singing. No coincidence there, right? No coincidence there, and I knew it, and I, and I felt it. And then somewhere along the way, it, uh, an incredible thing happened, and this is where things changed for me. And this is where I, I think it's, it's, it's really important to, to kind of internalize what I'm about to say. When I got to the end of myself and I surrendered to Him, and I said, you know what, God, I can't do this. I can't do this on my own, and I don't know where this is going. This could go to cancer metastasizing, things getting a whole lot worse. This could be taken care of, but... I trust you, and it's in your hands. Excuse me, I'm sorry. But whatever you want to do, God, whatever you want to do. And that's where, just like that, a peace kicked in. And he was surrounding me with people. He was surrounding me with all of you. And, and this is the moment that I have, to, I have to say, I know I'm a small group leader, and you may think I'm obligated to, but my small group was huge in this and, and much more significant than I think they even realized. So those of you who have been sort of weighing or fighting the idea of getting involved in the small group, don't think about it anymore. Go to Info Central, get hooked up, get in a small group. Um, these people were an encouragement and a source of love and support you can't even imagine. They don't even know how much it meant. But God used them. You know, we're here, to, we're here to spread his good news, his gospel, but we're also here to, to minister to one another, to be his hands and feet for one another. And, and this, is, this is how he works. So he brought me through all this with, a, with an almost unexplainable peace. And then he restored me. Just like that. After the surgery, after radioactive iodine treatment, cancer-free, I'm happy to say, <laughs> with the scan. Thank you. Thank him. <laughs> and uh, playing guitar again, which I'm happy to say, my fully, fully functional wrist. I mean, I'm shocked, actually, at, at how good it is at this point. I didn't know if I would ever play again, quite honestly. Um, and the use of my voice, apparently. <laughs> and almost as if to show you, I know you lost sight of me, but I'm here and I, I'll sustain you through this all. And through all the hurdles, all the obstacles that you have ahead and give you peace through this time as you live out your purpose, your purpose for me. And I've got plans 
that are different than you, what you imagine them to be. Okay, kind of like the unexpected turns you see in a, in a race course. Like, oh, it's like a 90-degree turn here. What happened? What's going on? Kind of like me being up here. I didn't see that coming at all, but it was his purpose. And it, I think it's, it's, uh, it's interesting that he didn't give it all back um, because I don't have a singing voice yet, yet, but I do have a speaking voice to be able to share this with you. Right? Amen. Amen is right. And I think it sums up so well in, in Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Right? Unbelievable. But it remains. Mankind has a worship problem. You've heard that from Pastor Tim. Mankind's got a worship problem. It's incredibly insidious. It creeps in like we've been talking about. Even to the things that, if you're a Christian, even the, thing, the things that you do to serve as Christians. So let's see what God's Word has to say about this as we kind of switch gears a little bit. And the Apostle Paul <clears throat> wrote a letter from prison, by the way, to the, uh, the fledgling Philippian church, which is a church that he loved in Philippi uh, in the first century, tremendous source of support and encouragement for him, and spent much of the letter thanking them and encouraging them and giving them words of wisdom um, as well, as he did in all of his letters, but um, th this being a little bit different. So he spent the passage leading up to the one we're about to read together, he spent the passage uh, describing how he had attempted this pleasing of God through works righteousness following the Jewish law to try and earn his salvation, right? And how he now, after his encounter and his radical change in his life with Christ and a relationship there, how he considers it rubbish. He considers it rubbish. Everything that he did in the early part of his life, just rubbish compared to the glory that he has in Christ. So I'd like to, you to stand with me as uh, we read from God's Word. And this is Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think in this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is God, God's Word. Heavenly Father, we, just, we thank you so much for your Word, the gift of it, what it reveals to us about you, Lord, and I just pray this morning, that you would open hearts, that you would convict hearts, Lord. And as always, I pray that we would see Jesus and Him alone. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So I call Paul a, a, a first century church coach in this because he picks the perfect analogy, doesn't he, of a race. 
because it's much more of a head and heart venture or activity than it is physical. Even though, I mean, there's a lot of physical involved, but you runners, especially you distance runners, you would agree, right? Much more head and heart. I think it's the perfect example for him to be able to use, perfect metaphor for him to be able to use uh, for this. And let's, let's dig into this and, and, and talk about those three takeaways. So verse 12, not that I've already obtained this. What's this? It's what he's referring back to in that previous passage about his pursuit now of Christ-likeness in his life. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. The NRSV translates this as reached the goal. Not that I've already reached the goal, but I press on. And I want you to pay attention to that too. Press on very significant there, to make it my own. And here's the pivotal point in this verse that orients us where we are and where we're headed and the reason we're heading in that direction because, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. All right? That's why he does what he does. And this is where he takes that metaphor, that race metaphor, and immediately turns it on its head. Because you think of a, of a race and being a runner, and it's inherently self-focused. Some might say self-centered, right? Self-absorbed. I don't mean I don't mean for it to sound negative, but it's it's about you, right? It's about your victory. It's about your recognition. It's about your accolades. It's about your reward or prize. And what's Paul running for? What are we running for? If you're a Christian, you're running the race of Christ right? For his glory. Not for personal gain, not to receive God's favor, not to earn your salvation, but out of simple gratitude for what he's already done in your life. And that brings us to our first point. So if you have your notes, Christians are motivated by gratitude for what Christ has already done. And what is that? It's the race already run for us. Amen? All right. Verse number 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. And again, what's, what's behind? This is what he considered to be rubbish. All right? Our spiritual victories... Um, the things that, that we, the works that we accomplish and sort of prop up is, here's my contribution. But, but even the things that we get stuck on, right, and, and the pride and the vanity that we have and the gifts and the talents that we're given. All these things can distract us from the goal. And by the way, runners who, who glance backwards, what happens? They lose momentum. They lose time. May even stumble. So there's a message there as well. So, brothers, I do not consider to make it my, made my own, but, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Very, very significant there. Verse 14, I press on. There it is again, the third time with that forward momentum and faith reference. Very, very significant. I press on toward the goal. It comes from the Greek word skopos which is a mark on which to fix the eye. This was used to refer to a finish line or an archery target. So again, just a perfect word that, that he chooses. 
to make his point. And here we come to the, perhaps the central point of our Scripture for the prize. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All right, and what was a prize? In, 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 the, in the ancient world, for a race, a prize would have been a, a wreath or a cash reward of some type. And what's our prize? If you have a relationship with Christ, it's everlasting glory in heaven with Christ. It's worth everything. Absolutely Absolutely everything. Peter describes it as, as an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Paul talks about it in, in Corinthians and refers to every athlete um, that exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So here's point number two in your notes. Christians are oriented toward the incomparable prize we have in, in Christ. Christians are oriented towards the incomparable prize we have in Christ, straining forward to what's ahead, fixed, eyes fixed on the prize. And remember that, you know, incredibly, Paul is, is writing this from the lower chamber of what we would think would have been Mamertine prison in Rome, the lower chamber of that prison just completely isolated in darkness. Darkness, One of the darkest, smelliest, by the way, dankest, most depressing places, just devoid of hope that you can possibly imagine. So regardless of your circumstances, for him to be writing these words should tell you something and it should be an encouragement. You can be used, and he certainly was. And here we are reading and learning from being inspired through, through God's Holy Spirit-inspired words over 2,000 years later. Just amazing to me. And verse 16. Oh, let's go back here. Verse 15. Let those of us who are mature or perfect, this is also translated as, so for anybody who suffers from the what I call the I have arrived syndrome or I've got it all figured out or don't tell me how to live my life, that's who he's referring to. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. I love the message translation of this. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. I like that version. But uh, God will reveal that also to you. So what does that tell us? Not only is God a, a gut checker and a guide, but he supplies the strength and everything else that we would possibly need. Everything that we would need. And we see later on the, uh, the well-known verse in, in the next chapter. You might have heard it before. You might have seen it on somebody's tattoo. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, right? Uh, and, and I like this translated, or this translation rather. I have the power to face all such situations in union with the one who continually infuses me with strength. 
So this is what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about. Verse 16, only let us hold true or hold fast to what we have attained. So point number three, what is it that we've attained? Certainly the hope of salvation, but there's more to it than that. Christians receive the supernatural provision of God. He does it all for us, and He supplies everything that we need. We need to, to be reminded of this constantly, don't we? We're so stuck on, oh, I've got to do it myself. I'm pull myself up by the bootstraps and just power through this, right? No. No. Society tells us that we discover who we are in the midst of our struggles, and this is, uh, this is kind of the height of secular humanism, all right? It's what we hear. Everything around us tells us that. Christians, I believe, discover who He is in the midst of our struggles. I'll say that again. That's significant. Christians discover who He is in the midst of our struggles. God supplies all we need, the guidance, the strength, and peace. In a word, grace, right? That's what grace is. And I experienced this. I experienced this firsthand over the last six months. I needed to. He knew that. But he sent me people who encouraged me, who loved on me, who supported me. He sent me peace, and he gave me purpose. And he also fulfills the deeper needs that you don't even realize you have. And at the end of the letter to the Philippians, he says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. This is just confirmation of that. It's just amazing. And here at the end of my uh, heartbreak hill moment, I can happily say that I've had a Holy Spirit realignment take place as a result of all this. And it's amazing how God's voice and the prompting of the Spirit can get louder and much, much easier to hear. And I've got a permanent reminder of this because now every time I look in the mirror or raise up my hands, I've got a couple of... Uh, pictures perhaps that you can see, if you can't see me from here in the front row, I've got a permanent reminder of my scars that are a reminder of His scars that He bore for me and that we can trust Him with our lives and that He's worthy of our trust, amen, with our eyes fixed on Him. But simply knowing about Jesus is not enough. We're called to become more and more like Him and live Him out through our lives, aren't we? Guided by the Holy Spirit. And we must look ahead and continue to pursue Christ-likeness, just like Paul did in a race, as, as faithful to as much as God's truth as we can comprehend. And that's, that's an important point because you may be at a point now where you don't really, you're maybe early in your faith, Maybe you're not there. Maybe you don't have a relationship yet. I'll talk to you in a moment about that. But 
but you may not understand everything. This is where, by the way, a small group can be, again, can be extremely helpful and valuable in, in helping you learn how to take those steps, how to listen to God, how to, how to make sure that that voice does get louder and you can hear from Him through prayer, through His Word. And be faithful to as much tr- of God's truth as you can comprehend. And, and Paul held true to this throughout his life, and he wrote it to, uh, to Timothy at the end of his life, that I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only for me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This, again, is the gift of God. And you notice that his only contribution in this entire verse or passage of Scripture is what? Faith. That's it. That is it. God does everything else. So you may find yourself sitting here or watching online this morning and serving a religious idol or serving yourself which I I guarantee will ultimately be unsatisfying and unfulfilling. So I've been there. Or simply in a time of distraction. And the question is, what is it for you at at a deeper, more visceral level that represents a distraction or what I would call a counterfeit prize? What is it? time to let go of that. It's time to let go. In Hebrews, it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He pressed on in faith to do the will of the Father. Um, even to death on a cross. His prize was us. He won us from death. He won us from death. And our prize is Him. And I hope you can look at that maybe a little bit differently today than, than maybe you had previously. But our prize is Him. And life more abundantly in Him. Sure, you know, we can live our lives, but it's going to be more fulfilling. It's going to be more abundant in Him. And we have the hope of eternity in Him. And we're already assured of this when we receive Him. So we can fix our eyes on Him with confidence and press on in faith out of just simply gratitude. Not because we need to, not because we have to earn it, but out of gratitude. And He supplies all we need. So what does this look like in your life? You know, we so often get it backwards. We so often get it backwards, right? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, the things that we're distracted by, the things that we're running after, the things that we're trying to find fulfillment in are counterfeit prizes that we're going after. We focus on them first. No. Focus on Him and His righteousness. And He knows what we need, and those things will be fulfilled 
It's counterintuitive, but, but that's, that's God, right? That's faith. That's how he works. And for me, it's a daily, even a moment-to-moment surrender to him and his plan and his, his will for my life. And it starts for me personally, and, and, you know, this may be helpful for you, maybe, maybe not, but it starts for me every morning when I wake up my eyes now for the last six months, I lift my arms up, I see my scar, that's, that's my first reminder. And I just say to him, God, I trust you. You know this day ahead as if it's already happened. And you have a better plan than I do. And so I just surrender myself to you. I submit myself. I, I give you my life today unconditionally. Take it and use it for your glory. And that's, that's how I start my day. And my heart follows along with that. Seek him in the morning. Seek him throughout the day. Seek him in prayer. Seek him in his word. And you'll find him.